Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Surf Stories, presented by Florida Surf Film Festival. My name is Kevin Miller, and today uh, Tyler Brewer is going to join us as a special guest host. John Brooks is unable to make it this time. He'll be back for the next episode. In the meantime, check out Tyler's work uh, with Swell Season Podcast and the Sunday Joint Podcast, which is based on Matt Warshaw's weekly newsletter to subscribers of Encyclopedia of Surfing. It is probably the most succinct and wonderful piece of surf media that I read every week shows up right in your inbox so I highly recommend subscribing to Encyclopedia of Surfing for that little gem. In the meantime today's guest is Ira Opper and Ira's been a producer and director of surf film and TV for quite a long time. Uh, he recently presented his work uh, The Secrets of Desert Point at our festival a few years ago and we we're happy to have him. He told so many great stories around the uh, around the uh, table at night, and, and we just wanted to have him on the podcast to share some of those wonderful stories. So without further ado, here is Ira Opper with Tyler Brewer as our special guest host. Thanks a lot, and enjoy the podcast. Yeah, Warshaw, I don't know. He's David Scales, uh, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Even the yeah. <laughs> he's my personal uh, surf mogul. I'll take it. But I will say uh, the joint on Sundays in your inbox is such a retro uh, envisioning of how, you know, the digital world is developing, but it's the most palatable thing I get every week. It's, it's right there. And I want to read it. Sometimes I don't feel like it. And I end up 
five paragraphs deep. It's wild. Yeah, Mar- and Matt's definitely my favorite. You know, I keep trying to, we did uh, the Surfer's Journal first TV season for Outdoor Life, and he was on, he wrote him, and uh, Dana Brown edited him, and uh, uh, we, we had a blast working together because we're so into yeah. this, the culture and the history, and uh, uh, it was, and then I've tried to draft him on all these other projects, and he's just so passionate about the encyclopedia, but, but yeah. I really, you know, here's my opportunity to talk to you guys. I, I'm wasting my time talking about that guy. So yeah, no, well, it's exactly. Let's talk yeah. about you. Let's talk yes. hot summer nights. Let's talk hot summer nights, man. First, who conceptualized it? Hot summer nights aspect of ESPN. And then I know Kevin and I are both super keen to hear about how the surfer magazine TV show came to be. It, first of all, let me just, oh. before you dive in, Ira, I want to say how important that show was to everybody in our generation. Like, you already have received feedback from so many people in your life. I'm probably telling you stuff you already know, but for the younger fans out there listening, there was a, a major shortage of surf media. And all of a sudden, one year, it started showing up on my TV yeah. each week. And I recorded it with the VCR and rewatched it and rewatched it and, re- and each episode. So go ahead, Ira. Tell us about how that uh, magical thing came to be. Well, I just want to know I got chicken skin hearing you talk. So oh, I appreciate that very much. And uh, it's probably the best uh, residual from all that hard work to hear people, you know. I stayed uh, up as like a 10-year-old kid to like one in the morning sometimes because it wouldn't yeah. always be on the – a, a good prime time i would stay up because i couldn't figure out how to set the timer on the vcr so i would just <laughs> like my brother and i would stay up and record all the time i mean it is this is back in the tv guide era where you have to go in yeah, and dive I mean, in and find I it i know and go for it yeah. every week i would look for surfing i would look i would exit out like this is the day i'm staying up late everything so what you did like i don't know if you realize how much of an impact you, you've had on surf culture uh, but that show had such a huge impact. I mean, everything from Dr. Scott Jenkins, uh, you know, surf rider. I learned so much there to Corky's Corner, you know. Yeah. I still use some of Corky's bits from it. It's like, oh, my God. Wait, wait. I'm, I know I'm going a little off topic here. I'm just so excited. But who is your favorite host of Surfer? Who, who hosts, I mean, you had everyone from Laird to Sonny Miller to, you know, Dr. Scott Jenkins to Matt, Matt George. Like, I'm curious who your favorite was. Really? I got to pick favorites. I, I mean, I had. Who's the easiest great... to work with? <laughs> well, actually, um, there was Bobby Estel hosted for a little bit. Yeah. Um, he was, and he's a, he's a North Carolina guy. So he's from your end of the country. Uh, he was a broadcaster surfer here in San Diego, but he didn't go on the trips. Yeah. Uh, the most fun uh, a human could have is traveling the world with Sonny Miller. Yes. You know, I, I, totally I mean, see that rest uh, in peace as he, yeah, he was the best. He was awesome. But, he didn't want to be. Uh, he did not want to be a TV personality. He re- <laughs> he rebelled 
against it. I had hired coaches, a voice coach. He had the look, he had the personality. If we could just get that to, you know, cross over the, 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 the Captain Fun personality of his, uh, the people have worked with him know about it, but um, that was, uh, the, it was a hoot, uh, absolutely. Good to hear. Every, every mile time. we traveled. Oh, it's yeah. Miller time. Like... And, and the thing was, is every surfer that we ever, at that time in history, that we had to go interview or go shoot or go travel with, you know, they had such respect for Sonny. So um, uh, I can't say enough good things about it. And the, and, and the, my proud moment with Sonny was when we first, uh, he, was, he was a still photographer for Surfer. I convinced Surfer to, to hire him, uh, you know, uh, to work with us. Um, and he was, he was shooting stills and doing the stand-ups for the travel pieces and going on trips and shooting photo stories for the magazine. And I go, you know, if you're going to hang out with me, you need to go shoot film. And I bought him his first 16 millimeter camera no and way. put it in his hands and go, you go out there and shoot for me now. So uh, I'm proud to say that uh, he had shot some Super 8 before that. But as far as being a professional water cinematographer, uh, I bought him his first camera and how had the housing made. And, um, you know, I still have the first three rolls that he shot, which were completely hideous. But uh, <laughs> that I've, yeah, I'm probably not only that, I'm, I'm the proudest to be, um, you know, the director that directed him to, you know, put that stupid still camera on it down and get out there and, and, Hook Wonderful. up with these guys. Good so. deal. So back to the back to the okay, beginning so of the story. Yeah, yeah sorry. <laughs> ESPN. All right. Quick story. Program director. My first big corporate job. I was in my twenties. Got hired to be program director for Cox Cable in Santa Barbara. Uh, so I'm going to digress a little. Yeah. Uh, as program director, uh, we had a 12 channel system. Primarily, we were involved with community access and government access, and I had invited people on like Hal Jepsen. That's how I met him uh, when he was in town to show his surf movie, put it on my cable, the local cable. Santa Barbara at the time was the 10th biggest cable system in the country. So I'm cutting my teeth in local cable. Uh, we're building from 12 channels to 35 channels. So they're physically putting in the new cable plant to, to grow for this new technology, which is gonna be satellite delivered uh, programming, which was the future, the next step of cable right then. Cable was primarily a retransmission service uh, from, uh, you couldn't watch TV in Santa Barbara because of the mountains unless you had cable. So everybody had cable. Big, 10th largest city market in the country. Uh, in my office as program director, I had, we had built the satellite dish. We just started receiving ESPN, uh, let's see, HBO, uh, Weather Channel, uh, WTBS. There's about six or eight new satellite-fed channels that started with the first satellite, Satcom 1. And I'm watching this stuff on ESPN, and I'm just going, there, I literally, it was like darts, uh, ping pong, uh, big eight, basketball, just nobody in Santa Barbara would give a damn about putting ESPN on in the beginning. And they, they would call me and ask me what, you know, how do you know, we'd like to get on your system as soon as you're the 35 channels. I go, I'm not putting you guys on, you know, nobody's going to watch that junk on the West coast. And they felt they had to get on this Santa Barbara 
because we're so big and, and so important and part of the Cox cable network. So what happened was is they, uh, they said, well, what would you suggest we do? And I said, well, I said, my audience wants to, you know, they'd like, they want to see surfing. They want to see skateboarding. Uh, they want to see beach volleyball, you know, and the execs and right. at ESPN go, you play volleyball on the beach? I'm going, <laughs> yeah, we do. Should try it. So uh, the suits uh, in New York and, and in uh, Connecticut had no clue about what, 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 anything about the West Coast. So, As a New uh, Yorker, I'm like, should I be offended? Nah, he's no, right. He's right. <laughs> they were playing Australian rules football for five hours a day. So. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, and, and that's another story. So, so they, they didn't get it. Um, I said, no, we're not interested. And uh, they said, well, would you produce, you know, would you produce some stuff? You know, this beach volleyball. volleyball. I said, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. You know, I was, I was kind of, you know, my career was starting to, okay, that sounds like fun. So I, I introduced him to NC2A volleyball, ESPN. I, I introduced ESPN to beach volleyball and um, started what they call sports packaging for him. And that's how I kind of got started. I do that on the weekends and then keep my job at um, working at Cox Cable. So what happened was, is uh, um, I got brought down to San Diego to start what was called at the time box seat because I started producing trash sports for ESPN that these guys thought I knew what I was doing. So they brought me down here and I, that's how I ended up in Solana Beach. And um, they needed a trash sports producer for this new sports network which was just going to be southern california uh so to make a long story longer uh it was based in carlsbad which is a few minutes from solana beach and um one day jerry Buss comes in the office while we're starting this channel this network and he bought it and moved it up to inglewood and called it prime ticket and i left and stayed i wasn't moving from the, this incredible beach town of solana beach and um, so I ended up buying another company. And with that, they left. With that going on, um, there, there was a new uh, vice president for ESPN, Roger Werner, who had surfed. And he was on a ski trip with Steve Pesman's brother, Tom. And because um, Tom, Steve Pesman's brother, Tom, was a uh, headhunter in cable. Okay, they're in Aspen skiing. And Roger goes, yeah, I want to put some surfing on. And then Tom says, ah, you should talk to my brother. He was going to go over to Surfing Magazine. He didn't know that, you know. Yeah. So he goes up. And I had been pitching Steve on doing Surfer's World as a TV show and getting that, you know, getting some resources out of Surfer. So I was pitching a TV show. Uh, Steve, I had just did Legends of Malibu, my first document. Matter of fact, the first VHS tape done you know available i also, in the I also think it's one of the first movies they reviewed on surfer mag uh tv by the way <laughs> yeah well because i knew a couple paul of holmes people. gave it a very favorable yeah. rating <laughs> Dude, i'm gonna give you a free subscription um so uh um yeah he did he better because he wrote it uh so <laughs> small little it all you know, comes full circle. Like the ma- it's like the ma- as Kelly says, you know, surfing's like the the mafia. You know, once you're in, you never can get out. 
So uh, let's see. So what happened was I'm making a long story ridiculously long. Grr. Um, this is so. So great. what happened was is uh, uh, Roger, Roger, Steve, you know, got together, called me. Three of us went to lunch at the Ritz Carlton in, in um, Laguna, uh, over Salt Creek. Uh, and at, at the end of the meal, you know, Roger said, "Hey, you know." we would love to have you guys produce pilot for us and possibly a series. Uh, any ideas, you know, we'll be open to. So I pitched him on Surfer's World, which became Surfer Magazine, because Surfer Magazine obviously wanted to brand with it, and you know, Steve's relationship. Can we timeline uh, this real quick, Ira? What year was this? Seven, it was 86. We launched in 86. Uh, we went on, the, we, went on we, we jammed on the pilot, Matt George was working for the magazine. He had the look, the personality. He wanted to be an actor. So uh, he could write. Mm-hmm. So Matt and I, Matt and I, Paul Holmes helped him, did the movie reviews, as you remember. Um, and we, we did the, and, and the idea was to do it like the magazine format, because that was very popular on TV. Profile, uh, you know, we did, we introduced the world to Surf Rider Foundation. Yes. Uh, with Dr. Jenkins at Scripps, which is down the street. Uh, we did uh, Corky's Corner because Corky, you know, I, Corky and I go back forever. And at that time, you know, he was Miller Light beer commercial yeah, he guy. He, he hosted My Legends. He was a, you know, he was a pretty funny guy. Writes his own stuff. He's so jacked. charismatic. He, you know, he's just a, yeah, he's just a character and just a lovely character and and easy to work with. And then. Um, and then, uh, yeah, Matt George was interesting. He he hung in there before he had a nervous breakdown and, you know, joined the... The Navy SEALs, uh, Na- right? Navy SEALs. <laughs> Listen to you, Tyler. Sorry, oh, uh, I can't help myself. <laughs> I'm impressed. I, think, I, I keep thinking this is all lost to the, to, to, you know... There's the there's world, two but... people in New York who just absorbed everything. Yeah. <laughs> Me and my brother. <laughs> awesome. I'm stoked. Uh, I really, it makes my day. You made my, my day. Um, so, uh, 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 so that's how it started. And then the first, we were on such a time frame in the beginning, with so much pressure uh, to deliver 13 shows in like, you know, I mean, I think we started right after the first of the year when we got funding. And basically, we're, I reached out, and this is how I got to know all the filmmakers. Uh, Scott Dietrich, Bill Delaney, uh, Greg McGillivray, you know, all these filmmakers that I've, you know, knew forever. Obviously, Entree with Steve Pesman was awesome. Yeah. And um, they would let me cut up their movies. And we would rewrite, we'd cut up the movies, rewrite them. Matt and, Matt and I would write, you know, work on it. Um, and then we'd shoot a couple of original segment stuff, like a movie review, you know, put Paul behind the desk kind of thing. Things were easy. And then we'd review the movies of the guys that gave us footage. Yeah. And got the, we got the first season. We finally got ahead. This is, and we finally got ahead. And I went to Pez and I go, I want to do an all original show before the season's over. I go, I want to do something. He goes, no, nah, you know, leave it up to the filmmakers. I go, no. I just I just got a beta cam camera, uh, which was you know a big deal, and I go no I'm doing a show. He go all right you know uh, keep the budget, you know you got 
3000 bucks or something. Like, I don't want your money. I'll do it myself. <laughs> so um, that way you won't own any of this stuff. It's all, you know. So um, we uh, contacted tourism in Costa Rica. Paul Holmes had been down there earlier to do a photo article about it. It had not been, it, it, people were not going to Central America back not then. then. The full civil war was raging in Nicaragua. Mm. Um, you know, Panama was suspect and Costa Rica, quote, the Switzerland in the middle, but you know, nobody had really, uh, it was just kind of cracking the door on it uh, as, a, as a surf's destination. And, um, you know, I remember, uh, and it, you know, the media obviously amplifies all this stuff going, you know, the, you think the entire Central America was in flames yeah. when, you know, when you'd read a story about the Contras and the, and the sure. Sandinistas and the government. So I remember telling my mom, um, I'm going down to Costa Rica. You know, the tourism comped us an airplane and hotels. And uh, Paul knew this guy, saw, uh, um, Mario Satella, who's a very wealthy Tico uh, that surfed and parents owned the airlines and hotels. So we just sort of built this whole thing up, you know, to, to go down there pretty much for nothing. I got Chris Burke. I was friends with Rusty, uh, made surf my board. So Rusty's surfer, Chris Burke. We would grab him and um, another one of my friends who uh, helped coordinate this kind of coordinating camera guy and um, Matt George. And uh, I, I remember telling him, hey, mom, I'm going down to Costa Rica. I'll be back in a couple of weeks. And she's like freaked out. You're going to a war. There's war there. I go, mom, don't worry. I go, gorillas don't, you know, they don't bother surfers. I remember going, they have gorillas too? <laughs> I go, no. <laughs> so she was like, oh, freaked out. I go, it's okay. They don't, you know, surfers. So we got down there. Uh, and it was, you know, I mean, there was, none of the roads were improved. The only, the only thing that was improved were the bridges. And it was kind of weird because we were driving around and everything took forever. It took us all eight hours to get from, Paco up the Tamarindo. There was no shortcuts in Costa Rica at the time. And um, we didn't know where the surf was. Nobody knew nothing. There wasn't any guides. There wasn't any map. There was nothing at the time. They didn't use the surf report from Surfer Magazine? No. Well, they didn't have... (laughs) They had the surf report. But but they didn't have it for Costa. This is part of the story. They didn't have anything north of uh, um, Paco on the surf report yet. Because nobody had been there. Because it's like it was, I mean, they may have been there, but not a journalist. Yeah. Uh, other than Paul. I think Paul went, you know, because of Mario. That you'd have to ask him about specifically. But the bottom line, we didn't know. We didn't have any information. So uh, we hooked up with the local surf club. You know, it was very grassroots. I mean, you know, Hako, we got to Hako. is a little town. Playa Hermosa surfed there uh, with, you know. And the storyline was, Bruce Brown had two years to find the perfect wave. We're producing a TV show for ESPN. We've got five days, you know, and it was yeah. like this, this, that was the storyline. That was how we started. And we just bolted all over the country, uh, driving around. We had a driver from tourism because we didn't know how to get anywhere. There's no, you know, maps were not very sophisticated. And um, we were just, you know, and, and the storyline became 
in order to find the perfect wave, we needed to find this guy, Mario. And that's what we chased after. Yeah. Mario, we're looking for Mario. This is before the video game. It's just coincidental. <laughs> so here's all this kind of funny things that were going on. So uh, we buzz around Costa Rica and tell the story. We get some beach break and actually put ourselves in it. And, you know, it was, we, were having, we were having a, a lot of fun. And um, we got up to, uh, we, we finally caught up with Mario up in Octal, which is kind of in the north-south of um, Tamarindo. He had a V8 cigarette boat. I mean, it oh, was yeah. sick. And, um, and so we, he goes, well, I'll take you up to this spot, but you can't really tell anybody where it is. You know, well, we respect that, right? We wouldn't. Other than generally on a map, we didn't really get into it. At that point, it was all fresh. And he goes, it's, it's called Witch's Rock. So we jump in the boat, um, Chris and I, camera, Matt, George, and we're just flying. It was so beautiful because it's all jungle and nobody was there. And we go out of, out of there. And we're running up the coast. And I remember he points, first off, he points to Tamarindo. There was, a, there was like one little hotel shack on the beach. He goes, this someday is going to be a big tourist destination. Wow. And you can buy an acre on the beach. You can buy, he knew. I, I mean, I, he goes, this is, you can buy an acre on the beach right now for 7,500 bucks. He goes, I, oh I, if I had 7,500 bucks, you know, if you oh. have 7,500 bucks, you guys should get to buy it. Oh, yeah, right. And it'll be an airport, in, you know, up here. Really? You don't even have a fucking road. As a matter of fact, <laughs> as a matter of fact, all the bridges in Costa Rica, were brand new okay oh. <laughs> and they were all built by the army corps of engineers i go what how i thought you were neutral what did it didn't dawn on me until later in this trip so i go god you have beautiful bridges but you know the roads are just hideous so we get to um we get in the boat and we as we go up to um witches and we had the big beta cam right this thing is like 20 pounds of batteries and cost us a fortune and and because it's a beach break we couldn't get the beta cam on the beach in order to film because it was so much it was about four to five feet perfect unbelievable but no no beach access for us i mean it was the whole area was just he goes mario goes look i'm going to take you up to the border of nicaragua there's a secret spot can't tell anybody the name, can't tell anybody where it is, you know, I, um, but I think we could get you up onto the beach. I said, awesome, awesome. So we're in the boat, we're ripping along, we're just hair blowing, you know, we're just having the time of our life and, um, and going, yeah, this is a hell of a way to make a living. Everything was just finally, yeah, Pez, we're going to, you know, we're going <laughs> to kill it. And, and he pulls, he goes, check this out. And he pulls the boat into this anchorage. This is north of Witches. And off in the distance, you hear, Ready, ta, 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 ta. Oh, Jesus. Ready, ta, 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 ta. <laughs> and I'm going, What is that? He goes, It's automatic weapon fire. I go, Yeah, that's what I thought it was. <laughs> ta, 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 ta. He goes, He goes, That's the, that's the, uh, the CIA training Ticos to defend the northern border of Costa Rica if the revolution starts to spill into our country. Oh my God. And I go, wait a minute, you guys, you're Switzerland, you're neutral. He goes, no, we're just another banana republic from the United States. I yeah. go, wow. I go, this is like, 
I'm like getting an upper division master's degree in, in international politics here. I go, God, you know, they teach you in school how neutral you are. He goes, well, you know, we need the Americans, uh, we need the United States to protect ourselves. I go, that is crazy. So we, we, and he tells us a little bit about what's going on in Nicaragua, how volatile it is. And we get up to, we get up to, um, I think it's called Playa Grande, mm -hmm. Punta Grande. Uh, yeah. And it's just five feet. I mean, we come up the behind it, which is mm -hmm. like interesting because we hadn't done that. And it looked like two feet. And then Matt jumps off, paddles into it. And it's like overhead. He's just screaming. It's insane. And then we're, uh, and then we're trying, we wrap the camera up in a plastic bag. You know, we get close, we do the full Tarzan handoff. We get the beta cam on the beach. Uh, we get the tripod on the beach. Uh, Scott, the cameraman, myself, we start hiking. There's a river we have to cross to get up to the point. We're going through all that. I look down and there's friggin' cat tracks bigger than my feet on the oh. beach. <laughs> I go, oh, look at this. God. Oh, oh, God, we're going to be a snack before the day's over. Good Lord. I, I, you know, it was that, you know, our hearts are pumping. The, you can hear monkeys and all this stuff going on. Across the river, we set up the camera. Matt's out there. Chris Burke is out there, who is our pro guy. Uh, Ricky Slade, my friend. They're all out there getting waves. Um, and it's, you know, they're getting barreled. I mean, and it runs, it, the, the wave is insane. It runs you know along the beach so it's yeah to film it with a beta cam we were like full frame right, right there yeah. wave after wave after wave and we're just having the you know and then you know i get out there and i'm getting a couple of waves and and it was it was insane um, you guys we absolutely so perfect scored. we totally scored we had this show it was like thank you uh we go back the second day we go through all that we go back the second day it wasn't this good but we got a couple more ways we Everybody, make sure you wear the same weight. You know, <laughs> <laughs> we were so like TV crew. We had gotta have, yeah, have continuity. <laughs> we had, I yeah. I'm you know. Let's see, that was in TV production 301. Make sure everybody wears the same thing. You know, it was that kind of, it was that kind of production because uh, it, it was the first time we did it. Nobody had any confidence that we could do it, and uh, at least surfer because we're TV guys. So uh, uh, we get back to my studio in Del Mar, Matt and I are working on the show. We're writing the show. We're just, yeah, how do we, you know, tell the story and yeah, we'll do the endless summer and we'll play off of this and then we'll, we'll be looking for Mario. We'll find, then we'll find him at the end and he'll take us to the perfect way. And that was the story. And yeah, but we can't tell him kind of where it is. So we ended up kind of having this map on the screen and, you know, we had little, lines zigzagging and going to all these spots looking for this wave and then all of a sudden we get to the border at the same time that we're working on the show the iran contra oh boy yeah. Oliver i was gonna say ollie's point <laughs> blows up blows up in the press My, you know it was the biggest story and we're like we were right there i mean it was like holy cow that was crazy and of course we learned there was a, a drug airport runway over there and how they were the CIA was in there and how what was going on with Iran to get the money to get the you know not let anybody know they're buying weapons and all this crap is in the paper and I kind of go with Matt and I go hey I got an idea and he goes what 
let's call the surf spot Holly's Point in the TV show. <laughs> that way, that way, nobody would bust our chops, you know. And we'll put a skull and crossbone, and you know, nobody. You know, who's going to go to the? You know, if you could, if you can get here, then Good you luck. should be able to surf it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Especially after the what you know, the press is like, oh yeah, there's like all this crap going on. And that was half and then, the story. And then you get movies like Kill the Messenger. Anybody seen that? With oh, anyway, so that's a really uh, well dive into I, why and how all the. I mean, the CIA was basically importing drugs and taking the proceeds yeah. to buy arms. Oh my god! Well, that's that's Central America. So let me. So what happened was is uh, we get back, we write the story, we put it on the air. You know, it's a big deal. Ha ha! It's a little. Our little secret, little you know. Yeah. Every people eventually put two. Some people put two and two together, and then I got a call from Surfer Magazine from the folks that were publishing the Surf Report to name, oh boy, you know, point out the spots north on the on the Surf Report, which is really the only thing about Surf Spots. So I pointed them out. You know, Jet Tamarindo. Of course, I gave that up. Yeah. Um, you know, but when it came to to the spot i just put it at the border of nicaragua and called it ollie's point and it stuck you know because of no those kidding. things so that's how that happened and then you know what the next thing is um, you know everybody loved the show yeah uh, is that how do you how out. fast do you get feedback on something like that you see all these other episodes and then that one drops and uh do, do you get how do you get feedback on something like that uh the best feedback was ESPN, you know, immediately renewed our contract for another yeah. summer. So that's great. Yeah. There you <laughs> and go. I, you know, it was going to be, and we won an Emmy for it yeah. because it, you know, it was kind of different and um, surfer magazine, Steve Pesman, you know, we gained everybody's respect that we, you know, let's get started now for next year, you know, so we could do yeah. more original production and yeah. beef the quality of this and do what I think what we were, you know, that what we all wanted to do professionally is, and surfing wise and you know what's better you know hang out with a bunch of great surfers travel the world and make a house payment you know there's it's pretty easy so uh uh it became you know and and my company uh frontline video and film you know we we became known as the the you know sports production company we bought all our own equipment you know we we did powder tv from that yeah uh, nice. so that's the feedback you know i mean it launched exactly it launched my career and I knew at that moment, you know, I'm, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. You know, so you got a lot of is, likes in other words. And that's, yeah. uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, it's kind of, then will, it wasn't like as immediate, you know, it took time, but the big, the big surfer, our peers, uh, ESPN. Yeah. I'm sure you'd um, hear about it in the lineup too. <laughs> yeah. Can now, I, you know, I went I, I went back with Wingnut and Robert August um to Ollie's uh for one episode of Longboard TV because nice. what happened was after we got back I called Bruce mm -hmm. you know cuz he was obviously one of my heroes and mentors and uh I told him all about it you know Ollie's point you know and and the story and we kind of dedicated it to you and blah 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 and then all of a sudden he does Endless Summer 2. Yep. And, and yeah, he does Endless Summer 2 and he goes right, where does he go first? Ollie's Which point. is rocking Ollie's point. 
<laughs> and he and he tells a whole nother story about yeah. how Ollie Point got its name. <laughs> like he almost took credit for it. And quite honestly, I you know, I never let him off the hook on that one. I go, thanks Good for that. You. you know, Where's you the shout out. Uh, shout out, brah. <laughs> yeah. So that was, I think the best part of all that is I, I ultimately got um, Wingnut and I have become, you know, bonded and dear friends over all of, uh, as you probably know, you know, Costa Rica, Bruce Brown, television. So, uh, you know, I've sacrificed the shout out for uh, for the friendship I have with uh, Wingnut. Question. Absolutely. There was a shift in the tone of Surfer Magazine in 92 from the magazine style show to the more travel. Was that, were you still involved then or did they make a full production switch too? When Steve Pesman kind yeah. of got pushed out the door at Surfer. Pushed out. Okay. Interesting. Well, Interesting it, you uh, use that word was, there. That That's was, something I had not heard before. Interesting. It was more, mm, there was a new team in there that, mm. that, you know, wanted to make it more corporate. And uh, I did Surfer Magazine as a project with Steve on a handshake. Yeah. Right? Uh, they took over. I had a 50-page, you know, agreement that they broke. <laughs> um, Steve, Steve went to the journal, and I basically yeah. quit. Okay. Uh, so, hey, um, I fired the client, as it was called, at the office. Um, I go, I'm not working for you guys, you know, so see ya. And then, but Sonny, you know, Sonny was still there. And yeah. uh, I go, Sonny, yeah. you do whatever is best for you. Um, and that's why it turned into a travel show. But I said, you do whatever is good for you. I'm not, it's not your problem. It's my problem. And, yeah. you know, uh, it worked out great for both uh, Steve and I, you know, so. Uh, at first, it was kind of hard, and we were kind of bummed. But uh, uh, I think you know, I, I I can't say enough good things about my friendship with Steve to this day, uh, and the work that you know both uh, he obviously he does in print, which is totally to his credit, but also having the opportunity to you know do the television series for outdoor life and national geographic so. love those by the way the this you know the surf history of the, the surfers that you the profile pieces that you did but also the great wave series like those were great why did they i mean it was just outdoor life just slowly i was gonna ask like why did it stop but i mean obviously i'll tell you why it stopped yeah once again you know the corporate suits took over uh, outdoor life got bought by comcast and they put a bunch of suits in there. And they, this is what they said to me when I walked out there. I, when I quit that job, <laughs> there's not enough bikinis in the show. Is that right? We oh want more gosh. bikinis in there. No I go, way. Hello. I go, I remember this exec on the phone. I go, dude, we don't do bikinis, okay? We do content. We do, at the time, we do programming. We do surfing. And- it's the endless, so, it's the endless fight to make uh, surfing more mainstream and capture a larger audience, which is what we're and, going through. Today. And twenty years later, those guys yeah. were me too. So hey, yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> you know, whatever it was like. I, yeah. Can I cap the? Uh, can I cap the Costa Rica story before we move on? And that is that yes. Tyler, you'll appreciate this. Uh, Eric Gunderson and Willie Wintel, my two surf buddies, that. Uh, we stuck together along with some other high school friends made plans of all the surfer friends that I had from central Florida. We were the ones that booked the tickets through the travel agency to Costa Rica the day after we graduated high school. 
and got wow. somebody's cousin That's... to rent a car for us and let us drive it around <laughs> for two weeks and get, you know, absolutely destroyed at Playa Hermosa. And yeah, we made, um, we made it a reality, but we would never have done that without that particular TV show. Um, I think Paul's article was also a big part of that too. Let me just add a point to that. You know, and, and that's why it kind of chicken skinned me. Um, I watched Bruce Brown narrate the endless summer live mm. at the Santa Monica civic when I was 15 years old. Oh, yeah. And I sat there in the audience watching him and he was just amazing guy up there with his right. record player. And I said to myself, I know what I want to be when I grow up. I, you know, I went on a different course, but, wow. but the same thing, it changed my life right then and there. And it, it's amazing how these things can inspire you and impact you. Mm-hmm. So uh, wow. I can relate 100% to, uh, to that. And it makes me proud that, you know, we had that kind of impact on people. So. Yeah. One could argue that investment from tourism board was very, very good investment. You know, right. <laughs> they got yeah. a lot of bang for their buck. And I, you know, the ripple effect from that trip alone probably is um, amazing when you think about it. Like, well, what happened point. too? what happened too? at the same time, that show yeah. at the end of that summer, ESPN went from just a domestic network to a global network. Yeah. So we went from whatever 30 million homes to 150 million homes because Surfer, Surfer Magazine TV was for the first national regularly scheduled show on the sport of surfing. It was also the first internationally distributed wow. regularly scheduled show on surfing. So I went down to Costa Rica once well, when I went with Wingnut and we checked into the hotel and the kid at the counter that was checking us in recognized me and I'm only no. in there for a few, recognized me um, from the show and had the VHS tape like nice. it, that they played in the hotel of that. And it was like, whoa, that was, that was like, and then Wingnut was standing next to me and going, <laughs> that's phenomenal yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was so funny it's like oh cool <laughs> so it, it, it's funny how that was the first one and how how many other things you know transpired over the, my career that uh yeah the, the, the unintended cool shit that happens <laughs> yeah that is that's, absolutely that's, true you put it out that's there the name of your book there you go. It's the name of your new my book. book. Unintended book cool things <laughs> that happen. I already, no, no, my new book is going to be, my book is going to be surfing as a tax deduction. There you go. I love it. Oh man. I've sort of taken advantage of that since we started the festival. <laughs> Watch awesome. yourself. This is being recorded. I know. Well, I mean, taking advantage of me and I, as a CPA, I should say ordinary and necessary put to work. Yeah. So, uh, but yes, it's, uh, you know, that was, that was that, Costa Rica. Yeah. Very fond place in my heart. Theme yeah. song. How did that come about? I'm curious. Cause it's so iconic. Kind of is. Yeah. Ding, ding, was, ding, ding, ding. Sorry. <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> it's just so funny. You're bringing me back so many fucking decades. Um, <laughs> that, that was, that was ESPN. They came up with that. Oh, really? They, they did, came up did with a great it. job. <laughs> I hired, I hired uh, Bracho Iloco, which was a local band. Del Mar, Del Mar at that period of time 
even we were on 12th street between 9th street and 12th street music clothing there was a surf rusty there was so many things that were frontline you know uh my studio is in a, a former recording studio it's kind of subterranean right at the beach uh so many things were going on down there rolling stone did a multi-page story about what was happening in del mar and the culture so limpy plant pants uh so Bracho y Loco, I hired them to do the, um, a matter of fact, I paid for their, I paid, yeah, <laughs> crazy <Love it>. time. <laughs> uh, they did that salsa, that kind of rock music, and um, uh, they needed a studio session, and I basically said, look, I'll pay for the studio, let me use it on my TV show, which they helped them, obviously, they became, uh, we have a, uh, down here in Solana Beach, we have the incredible music venue called The Belly Up, and yes. uh, uh, Chris Goldsmith, who was the, our liaison with uh, Bracci Loco back then, uh, is the president of of, um, of the Belly Up. So we we we're still in touch with each other, and uh, uh, I think what the, uh, Steve Sherman talked. I mean, there there was so much cool shit going on down there in Del Mar that uh, that we were you know part of. It was uh, it was fun. It was fun no matter where we were at the time. I, and, you know, uh, people would give me a wave every once in a while. And, and, uh, <laughs> That's yeah. cool. I just, I wonder if I could steer the storytelling to one that you told me at the festival. And it had to do with being sort of stranded off of the Sumatran coast, or was it West Java? I mean, somewhere in that, that strait. Um, could you refresh my memory? Because it stuck with me, but I wanted to hear it again. Uh, is this uh, when you went to Peniton with the Fitzgerald? Oh. No, we went, we went with Paul Ma, uh, King. Oh, well, Paul King, the drug smuggler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so once again, Paul Holmes was a surfer, I think. Yeah. I think he was still there. And he organized, a, we wanted to go, we were going to Bali. Uh, we wanted to film Bali, Sunny, with Sunny. Um, and John Chamuka, um, and oh, I remember this. Episode Ted Monaghan and Paul Freeze. We had three, three guys. I can't remember. Oh, I think Locomotion. Maybe Locomotion sponsored it. So we were going to go to Bali, and Paul. We knew there was surf, you know, and other spots, but we had not filmed them. We 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 knew that you know we Paul King the drug smuggler and his buddy <laughs> brett beasley originally a drug students. smuggler then a surf travel company surf executive and then a drug smuggler <laughs> or yeah. maybe both at the same time we yeah, don't know <laughs> i wasn't into drugs uh, then so uh but um then. quite the characters i must say okay uh so what happened i'll, I'll try to speed this one up but I, I i so what happened was is that paul said hey i i chartered a a big beautiful boat we're gonna for you guys sunny and you guys and you're gonna go you know north of java uh there's waves you know you go maybe we'll go to krakatoa and then over to to sumatra no one had been there uh, other than paul yeah. you know and and his little uh, group and knew the surf and was pumping it and suggested that he would handle getting us a boat and, and be our guide so Paul, uh, I think the magazine plopped down because they wanted to do an editorial on it. 
And I said, yeah, we'll go along and we'll tie the editorial in with the, bring Bernie Baker, got Sonny, uh, you know, Paul, why don't you come take notes, bring, and then Paul brought his wife and I brought my wife. Yeah, we'll go spend a month in Bali and, and then we'll cruise up, you know, at some point we'll take a trip up to this new frontier. So we end up showing up at Charita Beach on Java to go catch our yacht to go to, um, uh, to go up to uh, Sumatra with Paul King. Uh, we show up, and I'll never forget my wife going, yeah, are you fucking kidding me? It was a river ah. trading boat. It was a Hell river, Trevor, it was a river trading boat out of Jakarta with a Javanese crew who spoke no English. Oh. Plus, we had to take a representative from the government of Java with us who wore a suit and um, oh. hard <laughs> shoes and had a suitcase because we were, you know, uh, United States media. And United States media has to have a representative with them at all times. This is when Suharto is in, in charge too, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. It was yeah. gnarly. Yeah, politically gnarly. So we get in the Zodiac out of this little beach town, Charita Beach, boat all our gear up onto this river trading boat, literally flat deck diesel boat with an outhouse nailed to the back of the aft <laughs> of the boat. Oh, that's My your, wife yeah. was like, are you kidding me? You know, it's like, oh, well, you know, we're going, fuck up. So we get on this thing. I mean, the deck was teak, but it gushed. It was so disgusting. The engine diesel. The food was in boxes behind the, the you know, uh, um, wheelhouse. Uh, we had rice and, and vegetables and, and uh, noodles, you know, and water for, we figured we'd be out for two, three days. No big deal, you know. Yeah, no big deal. So just out, out you know, a day up, a day back, and a day there. So uh, so we, we head out, load up all the gear, schmooka. All these kids running around, they were hysterical. Oh, John, uh, Paul Shmoo. King, you know, was a, kind of sketchy right from the beginning. But... <laughs> you see Paul there? Good. Yeah. Uh, just a, a quick interlude. Oh. That's me and Paul back in 2000. Uh, okay. telling, he's telling lies right there. Just, no oh way. Yeah. That's, That's crazy. That's crazy. You just. Brett like, Beasley had, had hit the reef. Brett Beasley had hit the reef, stitched himself up had a piece of gaffer's tape on his face. That's oh. what kind of guys this guy. They were like Jeez. hardcore. Here we are in Java. It's like 100 degrees out and uh, 100 degrees humidity, you know, and I'm like sweating like it was like a draining off of me. I, I needed gutters around my neck to just pour all the water. <laughs> it was sick. So um, uh, uh, we, get, we get out. We start heading out, uh, loaded up, headed out. We got, I don't know, maybe 40 miles out. And there's a, all these island groups out there, uninhabited island groups off of East Java, uh, West Java, um, and uh, heading Sunda, towards the Sunda Straits, where because mm. we were going to go to Krakatoa. Yeah, I, I, I wanted to go. You know, that to me was the highlight. I wanted to see Krakatoa. Absolutely. So, uh, let alone is there surf? You know, who knew? Um, and we get out, and all of a sudden the engine starts acting up, and we literally chugged in with flashlights hanging over the bow to avoid the reefs. We chugged into this little uninhabited island group. 
and anchored. And um, okay, you know, Brett's over there with Paul and the crew spoke no English and it was just nothing seemed to be communicating to us. And I'm responsible for 10 people and what, what's up? How's he, you know, we okay? You know, uh, to make a story really short, no radio, no tools, mm. no starting the engine. Oh, We're yeah. stuck. Day one. Do, 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 do. 40 miles uh, away. <laughs> 40 miles, nothing around, uninhabited island group, monkeys all over the beach, jump in the water. You immediately got stung to death <gasps> by sea lice. There was uh. no relief. We're 14 of us or 12 of us on the deck with a corporate guy from, you know, full on dressed <laughs> up uh, with his briefcase, uh, Javanese representative, which, you know, by date, well, uh, so we go through that. Uh, okay, no radio? What are you friggin' kidding me? It, well, it, it doesn't work. Uh, but through the island group, we could see this like six to eight foot swell rolling by. So <laughs> try, to, huh. try to contain three pro surfers, Sonny Miller, and a broken engine, knowing there's surf over there, and we're stuck. Oh okay. my gosh. What are we going to do? Day two. Do, 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 do. You know, and I'm starting to, you know, I ripen pretty quickly. So does those other guys, my poor wife, Paul's wife. I mean, you know, you get too close to us, your eyes would tear up like an onion. And, um, you know, kind of hot and sticky and okay. Well, Bernie and Paul go, look, I think we saw a lighthouse out on this island group. We'll go out this morning, you know, day two morning, and we'll go see if we can make contact and Okay, be back before dark so we don't have a heart attack. Yeah, yeah, we'll be back. We'll just go up and back. It shouldn't take long. They take off. We're stuck. Uh, we went on the beach, you know, a little bit, kind of, you know, shot some monkeys, <laughs> got back on the boat, laid around. It got dark. They didn't come back. Uh, that was very, that was tough. Yeah. Um, I started, I, I was very concerned. And I knew there were, you know, they knew what they were doing, but, uh, you know, 13-foot Zodiac in the middle of a job of, you know, it's, it was weird. So yeah. it was hard. That night was hard. Next day, day three, they come back. That was a big relief. Late morning. We, we, this is like on a, a, I can't remember exactly, but let's say it was a, a Thursday or Tuesday. Let's say it's Tuesday. Um, our tickets to leave were on Sunday from Denbasar, Bali, which, you know, we had like 10 airline tickets, you know, that were date specific. Yeah. So we had a bit of a deadline. Uh, oh, well, it'll be at least two days before they can call Jakarta. They can't call out. They can only receive. And they only get a call every other day at the lighthouse. Whatever it was, we had a couple of days left before we'd even get to somebody to come out and help us, possibly. You know, the engine, they had a putty knife. It was the only tool on the boat. It's crazy. I think so, Paul and, brought and back some, some water or something like that with him, or I mean. They brought, yeah, I think, you know, it was, we were, run, we were, we were going to run out of water. And we were definitely going to run out. The food was covered with flies. And mm. I didn't want to eat this. Ugh. It was either right. It was just vegetables, you know, what they, rice and vegetables. The whole thing was getting kind of ugly. The outhouse thing was getting ugly. We were, <laughs> couldn't go in the, the water was everything was getting ugly 
know, it's just, it was one of those like, okay, for all you assholes out there that always wanted to carry my bags you know, <laughs> to go on a surf trip. You Here know, you go. I'm yeah. earning, we're earning our keep right now, especially yeah. with a bunch of, you know, uh, you know, 18 to 20 year old hyper kinetic surfers, you know, and Sonny, who was hysterical, absolutely like he would do stand up all day long. He was, that was the only thing refreshing. He was, and then they took the paint, boat paint, and they put up a big flag and it said Lost Boys. They painted on the on a, on a sheet and hung it from the mast. Um, nobody around. Woke up the morning of day four. <laughs> oh, here goes my trip, you know, my vacation to Indonesia. And sitting about a 50 yards, 75 yards away from us was a brand new 57 foot fully rigged swan sailboat. And I'm like, it was like one of those cartoons, you know, where you kind of rub your eyes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, am I seeing this? You know, uh, oh my God, get the boat. Let's go. So uh, we went over and um, we, we boated over and, and <laughs> I knocked on the, we knocked on the hull uh, and this, this guy comes out of the, out of the, you know, cabin and he looks down at us and he looks across the bay and he goes, are you guys on that? And we go, yes. And he goes, you're broken down, right? And we go, yes. Can we have uh, permission to come aboard? And he goes, and he goes, yes, come on on. And it was an American guy who had moved to Perth. Um, he used to work in engineering in Chicago, retired to Perth, has this amazing, fully navigational, one of the most beautiful boats I've ever been on. I mean, for mm. that size boat. Two Australian crew. Uh, and he was sailing up to Thailand and he just, you know, they just came in and anchored. Uh, and, and it was like, and he knew all about ESPN. Oh, we're here for the ESPN. We're doing a TV show. Yeah. He knew of us. He knew of the show, kind of. You know, he was a surf, but he was a sailor. America's Cup, all that crap. And uh, so we could talk sail. We could talk. You know. So he was super cool. And I go, look, if you take us up to where the surf is, um, I will put a graphic at the end of the show for your boat charter because he was. Charter. He would. He wanted to charter it. We, we had that conversation, and um, you know, because obviously he didn't need money. I mean, I mean, it didn't. You know, yeah, I'll, I'll pay you. I, I wasn't going to do that, but uh, so he was cool. The, the crew were cool. Well, we can't take all of you. Well, we just want to take the surfers and the camera crew. We left Paul, his wife, uh, a couple of non-essential folks on the boat. They were fine with it. They'll just fish and hang out. They were comfortable that we can, you know, hopefully get the show. And we took off uh, in this sailboat and headed to, we knew we couldn't get up to Sumatra and through the, you know, Sunda Strait and all the way up to this, where we thought there was surf. Um, but uh, we knew of Panaitan because uh, Art Brewer had been there and photographed it. That was, yeah. nobody had filmed it yet. Uh, let's, you know, let's go for, we'll go for Panaitan, you know, one palm. And uh, hopefully we get, you know, there's obviously what it's swell. And, and Paul knew there was swell. So, because he knew it so well. And this was all new country for us. And, 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 and Sonny and everybody was like, holy cow, this place is just on fire. The swell size is like six, six feet and it's just constant. 
So we get up to, I'll never forget. We take the, with the boat, we're sailing, beautiful sail, full crew. Just, this is like, okay, now you want to carry my bags. You know? like, degrees, yeah. Just like one moment and we're sailing, we're sailing through the strait and it was just spectacular, glassy, cutting. And we get up to uh, Penitent and it's overhead and it's just wrapping all the way down the island. And Sonny flies off the bow. I mean, Bernie flows off the bow. The surfers, are, it looked like a, an invasion of uh, uh, apocalypse now. I mean, everybody, as soon as it the surf, they were gone. And then we had to get the beta cam up onto the beach. That was another, we had, we had, oh my God, we ended up, we dropped the Zodiac. Uh, we, we triple bagged the, the beta cam. The surface is cracking. And the way the research stepped down, that the swell just pounded. I mean, we, we were at least a half a mile uh, from the point to get, and it was literally in between swells, gun it, run it, just like Navy yeah. SEALs up onto the beach, get the cameras off, get the equipment off, get the wife off, get the, you know, <laughs> backpacks, get da, 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 boom, go, 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 and then off they went, you know. And, uh, then we had this half mile hike in the jungle, which Penitent at that point had never probably seen too many white things like yeah. us. So the entire canopy 30 foot high jungle is up against the sand. It's like Timmy Turner's sand. show. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Timmy was, yeah, came After later. Right? Sure. Yeah. No, but, yeah. I see but, that footage. Nope. It's there's no beach, right. and then it drops into coral reef and into water. So it's we're really and plus the, the the whole jungle grows out and over. Right. So, so I have fifty pounds of battery crap in my backpack. Oh my god! You know the beta cam, which is twenty five pounds. The tripod, you know, and my wife was Jerry was with us, um, and you know I thought we had you know Scott the cameraman loaded up the backpack. I didn't look at anything. We get we hike. I'm sweating. Oh, there's no. like month the entire jungle is following us as we're walking along i mean it's crazy how like every monkey within 100 miles was like who are these apes on our beach right <laughs> so uh we get to the point and we set up and i open up the backpack i go oh god i'm just dying for water and i open up the backpack and the cameraman took his the water out and put in his hiking boots in case he needed those. So we had like one little jar of water for the three of us for however long we were going to no. After hiking a half a mile, bending like, you know, over these things and everything. Because you didn't want to touch anything wrong because yeah. you didn't know if there was a snake there, you know, who knew? <laughs> so, uh, and then we, the crazy part is we sit down on the beach, we set up the tripod and, you know, we're pretty close to where the action is because of the, the way it broke uh, again along the uh, that side of the island, the what swell direction, everything else, and it was cracking. I mean, yeah. and it was we had to get up a little bit, and, you know, get the right angle to get the shot. And the the thing that blew my mind at that moment, and I'll never forget it, looking down at the beach, at the the coral rock reef, and the entire island had about a three inch wide uh, styrofoam plastic really? ring around the whole. Mm -hmm. Here we are, uninhabited what? jungle island sure. in yeah. the middle of nowhere. Damn. And it was littered with styrofoam mm -hmm. pieces. Oh. Little little lighters, 
tampons, yogurt cups. I'm going. It 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 that just made me in such an environmentalist from that moment on. I go, this is so wrong. Uh, so that was the the first five minutes, and then we shot. We got epic footage. Uh, these guys were getting shacked in these almond tubes. Perfect light, killed it. And they were gonna. They pick they, the idea was to pick us up at dusk. You know, we'll, we'll hike back. Oh and I've had no water for eight oh hours I'm in the hot sun with no umbrella. And I'm walking back. I got the backpack. My wife Jerry's with me. Scott, the cameraman, and we're crank. And then all of a sudden. I got the full dehydration, hallucination. Oh, shit. Cramps. I mean, it was, That's I'm like, scary. it was like, my body's like doing shit it's never done before. And I'm trying to kind of, my, you know, get my, my senses with me. You know, I got to get down. I got to get down there. You know, I'm like full on, you know, and uh, we got, you know, and, and then we had to wait for them to get the boat over and then the swell break. And we ended up, you know, Obviously, everything was fine. Got they they had water on the zodiac. I mean, it was like, yeah, it was like a yeah, it was like the the guy that crawled across the Clint Eastwood and Good, Bad, and the Ugly. Yeah, yeah, it made a big difference. It's like I've come alive again. And then we we got on the boat, and the best, really, the best part of the whole thing was you know, cracking that what is it ping tao or whatever oh yeah bing tang you know ping, oh what? yeah bing tang ding tang cracking that ping tang on the boat sailing in the dark across the java <sighs> straits sky is just electric with you know stars we've got the footage you know we, we you know God. yeah classic man holy well, best part of all my stories for yeah. 4.99 a month you can watch them all on the Surf Network. Yeah, <laughs> nice plug. I like it. Now, <laughs> now which my, episode is that? Sorry, Tyler. Before we no, move on, go for it. I think it's Surfer Magazine. It's called the Odyssey. It's nineteen eighty nine, right? Or ninety? No, ninety ninety. It's the last. It's like one of the last shows of the four year. Yeah, it's season one, two, three, four, and it's the last show. It's called the Odyssey. I don't yeah. know the number offhand. The, the big question so, is. Your wife, she stayed married to you after that. How did you do that? <laughs> That's a good, good question. Yeah, like, uh, if I did that to my wife, oh my god, I think I'd be in a lot of trouble. <laughs> she, she was not going to go back to Bali ever again. <laughs> she traveled. The crew, actually, Jerry. She's a very she. Uh, you know, we went to Tavaru in '86 for our honeymoon, so I knew she. I picked the right person. We were the first honeymoon couple on Tavarua, so uh, no that way. and and uh, you know, so that was that was you know, she she grew up in Southern California. She grew up in Orange County, so she gets it. But she traveled. I remember Sonny used to go, "Is Jerry gone? Is Jerry gone?" I go, "Why are you so excited about Jerry?" And he goes, "Because we eat way better. We stay in way better places than we go to." So the quality of the crew's life changed of my wife. And, and and she was really good at logistics. But there was no way, uh, you know, we, we uh, I never, I had not gone back. Uh, I didn't, I enjoyed the adventure. I enjoy Indonesia uh, for that experience, but it was my cup of tea. I fell in love with Fiji and, uh, I, and Tahiti and 
So my, you know, if any chance I got, I, I would go to the South Pacific over Indonesia. Now, Sonny, he felt, he saw the potential. The Indo warrior. And, and then after we, the whole Surfer Magazine thing changed, he, that, when you're talking about the 92 stuff, he'd go back, he ended up doing the search. He went back, he became really good friends with King and those guys. Uh, the boats obviously got better eventually. Yeah. Uh, you know, the crossing and Quicksilver, you know, he got involved with Roxy and all that. So, you know, he, he, to his credit, I mean, he, he would go back pretty much annually and took, took uh, Tom uh, Curran with him and, you know, shot all this incredible footage and things. And so that became his, his spot. He, he got pretty deep into it. And, uh, you know, uh, and I said, see, I'm going to Tahiti, dude. You, can yeah, exactly. you, you take Indo, I'll take Tahiti. Well, you know, Fiji. I love Fiji. I love Tavarua. I think I, it turned out that uh, Scott Funk, who owned Tavarua at the time, uh, uh, when we went there for a honeymoon, we befriended mm -hmm. him and his girlfriend. It turned out they literally lived behind us in Caddy Corner in Solana Beach <laughs> when they weren't in Fiji. That's so when he'd come back, we'd hang out with him. Then I went back the next year to Tabarua after, you know, uh, Surfer Magazine and profiled it for the first time on, on ESPN, yeah. which obviously got a lot of attention. And so I went back probably 10 or 12 times um, over the course of what probably my, you know, my shortboard into my, you know, back to a longboard era of surfing. So. Sure. And we're still well, friends. We're actually... That's a great story. Uh, I, I have to say we're bumping up against our hour, but I, I wanted to uh, thank you, Ira, for coming on the show. Yeah. Tyler, thank what, you. Uh, what thank a great you way to document a classic story behind the scenes and any I'm comments. So freaking stoked. And like, it's such an honor to, to, to do this with you, Ira. Like I've been such a fan already for so long. So when Kevin asked me to do this, I was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> and hopefully i can get you on my podcast one day soon i would love to uh dive more deep into some other stuff like i've got so many questions you know it's like everything from dynacom and alan gibby and his involvement to all these other other players and obviously your take on the the, the surf video landscape I'm, I'm curious of but um we'll save that for another show i guess <laughs> i'm looking forward to it yeah you know, I, I, I haven't done this before. Um, I appreciate it. Uh, it was a lot of fun. You know, you guys are great. I have tons of respect for what you're doing and the passion. And I think that's, uh, you know, just, that's just the know. word. I'm not involved with their festival. I do nothing with their festival. I'm just a freeloader no, here. <laughs> I, know who you, I know who you are. Well, well, seasoned freeloader. Well, now eat. I'm blushing. Yeah, you, you, you do have a few, uh, uh, medals on your chest yeah, yeah. <laughs> hopefully it's not all bad <laughs> uh, i mean it's he gave a, me a heads up i said yes so. yeah exactly <laughs> that's right yeah no it's a pleasure to have you on the show well and you guys are doing what you're passionate about and, that's you know, right I, it, it's something that you just uh you just you know you'll you'll be successful at it just because you dig it so much and yeah um well we've plugged the surf network which is your kind of i mean you have to say that you're not probably making millions of dollars a year on that that's a passion thing but hopefully uh you make millions of dollars but what's is it anything else you want to plug in the meantime for uh besides the 
surf network right now? Just, yeah, just check out the surf network. Um, you know, but that's, uh, yeah, that's our, you know, we're getting some really cool content. We're working with everybody. We're trying to make it work for all the filmmakers, you know, it, uh, you know, you watch a video on the surf network and you're helping that filmmaker make another movie. I can tell you that. So there you go. Uh, there we go. It's, it's pure communism for pure Marxism with a little <laughs> capitalism. Exactly. Well, I would, I would say for all the listeners here, do yourself a favor, get yourself a subscription. And, you know, honestly, like just we're in COVID we're home. I've watched everything on Netflix now just dive into surf video and surf history. I mean, if you want to learn about surf culture history, if you are new to surfing, just subscribe. You'll, you'll, you'll thank us all later. <laughs> I'm about to dive into episode 45, the Odyssey. Surfer oh shit. Series and, yeah. Uh, watch a little bit of what we just heard. So I'm about to go it. help my wife with the groceries. There you go. <laughs> That's good too. Um, you guys are Ira, great. Thank thanks you. a lot, Ira. You got it. Thanks, Tyler, Ira. Really care. appreciate it. You got good it, guys. Job, guys. Cheers. It. Aloha. See you soon. Aloha. All I right. got you. You. Be well. All right. Be well. All right. Thanks for joining us for episode eight of Surf Stories, presented by Florida Surf Film Festival. We're happy to have as sponsors of the festival Monster Energy, who is the presenting sponsor, Rourke Revival, Yeti, Globe Footwear, Atlantic Center for the Arts, Advent Health, and many more listed on our website. Also, we're looking forward to talking with Christian Beamish in the next week, and we'll have that up as soon as it's available. Christian wrote the book uh, Voyage of the Cormorant. I highly recommend you pick it up. He's actually recording the audio now for that book, so uh, you'll have an opportunity to buy it as an audio book in the not-too-distant future. So thanks again for joining us, and we look forward to having you back soon with uh, more surf stories. And going to recitals in art galleries. I don't go to recitals anymore because my hearing is too sensitive, and I don't go to art galleries anymore because there are people there, and I can't deal with people.